Life is full of personal wins. I'm still waiting for mine. Whether it's cleaning your house or getting that dream car, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling your home and auto. Chrissy, you're always on top of all of this. Well, I am very deficient in some areas, but this is not one of them. I also love how personal State Farm is. I love my State Farm agent, Mike. Shout out to Mike. And guess what? Today, you guys can talk to a State Farm agent to learn how to bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, wait for it, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability amount on discounts and savings and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey now, uh, episode, I don't know what number we're on, but I'm just so happy that we're on. Six or seven, I think, six or seven, or maybe eight. Well, I've got exciting news about the number seven because we got a little hint about what the number seven may be Oh yeah, detrimental to Good your one. relationship. Mm-hmm. Dr. Oz is going to join us later. This guy is the most interesting man that you should definitely invite to your next dinner party because we've all been vaccinated, yeah. hopefully, or will be by the time this airs. Dr. Oz is a dream. He will be coming up later in this podcast. But right now, Aaron and I are in our quest to uh, ensure that the viewers are getting what they want. We ask questions and you guys answered. We appreciate all of you. Aaron, the questions that we asked were all about relationships, right? Yeah. And I got this idea from our good friend, Ryan Russillo. He just said how much fun he would have on his show when people would submit emails or questions or DMs to him. And he'd... (laughs) I love him so much. He even talked about after his arrest, people wanted to know if they could he could <laughs> offer life advice. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to steal this from you and we're going to do it. Do you mind? And he said, no, have at it. So this week, particularly, we asked people for dating, if they wanted dating advice. I don't know why we became, you know, the, the gurus on that. But our first <laughs> question is, do nice guys really finish last? What it, I mean, basically... <laughs> Uh, yeah do do you guys have to be dicks like what do you think go all right all right all right so let's back up here real quickly ryan rosillo who's like one of our well he is our best guy friend ryan right now is in an undisclosed location because he's vacationing by himself because this is what ryan does he gets in relationships and then he goes on vacation by himself and he like goes on this whole rant so why this becomes hysterical about this question is because Ryan is a really nice guy. And for a while, I thought to myself, 
could I date Ryan? Because whoa. him and I were so close. Well, no, it's not a whoa. These are facts. Uh, him and I were so close. Like he was like truly my best guy friend. So I'm like, why, why am I not dating Ryan? Like we're both like single, the whole thing. And the reality was like, Ryan and I are too much alike. We'd kill each other. But to get back to the question, and if Ryan was here and not in an area that had no Wi-Fi to live, uh, then he'd be able to chime in right now. Nice guys, in my opinion, always finish first because I ended up marrying someone that is so much nicer than I am. And I was like, oh, he's so nice. I don't know if I could be with him. But ultimately, like, I don't want to be with a dick. Like, I've dated a lot of dicks. Okay. And like not interested. And it's fun for a while. Like, oh, you have to chase them and the whole thing. But no, I want somebody that I know is dependable, that I know is not going to cheat on me. And that I know is like somebody I'm going to be proud to be the father of my children. So yes. And I, I keep waiting for my guy to come downstairs as he's headed to the hockey rink. Babe. Nope. Anywho, but I will say that, listen, I, yeah, it's good to have a nice guy. I think my husband's a very nice guy. I don't know really anybody that doesn't like him, but I will preface that nice guy, but knows when to be firm when he's dealing with me in terms of my attitude, being a little pushy, because I can't date a pushover and or marry one, apparently. Um, so I appreciate that about him. Nice guy, but I need a little attitude in there, too. It's like, you know what? I got to no. be honest. It's like a quarterback. You can't just have a nice guy quarterback. You know, you got to have a guy with a little attitude that's like, you see that? Look what I just did. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what it is then. Uh, okay, because I'm I'm with you. The person has to that we marry has to stand up to us because we are very aggressive. Jared, get in here. Do you think nice guys finish last, Jared? Yes. You do? Huh? Wait. The question is, Jared. Hold on. What? It, hold on, Jared. You won't be able to hear Carissa. But do you think last guy or whoa? Do you think nice guys really finish last? People say, like, you, would you rather, like, like the guys that are dicks always come out as the winners in a relationship? No. You're no. just confused. You're worried about power play and penalty kill. Let's go Los Angeles <laughs> Kings. Bye, babe. I love you. You know what? You got to know. Love you. Have a great First day. First of all, Jared, you look great. Looks phenomenal. You look great. You look great. But what was it? What does Jared he say when know. he's got a good night? He's worried. No, no. What is what does Jared say when he, I remember the other day we're on FaceTime? Uh, and I was like, Jerry, you look great. What does he say? My husband is um, he works at part of the development of the Los Angeles Kings and also does the broadcast. And he loves when you talk about his outfit. And I'll say I said to Carissa, say that his outfit looks great. And he'll say it does. Right. He loves he loves an outfit. <laughs> she didn't even have to nope. prompt me. He looked yeah. great. So, yes, nice guys do finish first, not last. Next question. Next question. What makes marriage number two a good idea versus keeping it a long-term relationship? Ah, well, since I'm the only person here that's been married twice, I'll tell you. Marriage number one, uh, person was, I got married when I was 26. I went to break up with him. I was at a lunch date with him and I was like really into him. And I was like, I got to break up with him because I'm just starting my career. I can't be tied down the whole thing. So I went to break up with him and he goes, no, we're going to get married. We went to Hollywood, got ring tattoos, which I've since had removed 11 removals later, uh, and got married three days later. Uh, we're married for four years. He wasn't the right guy, obviously. 
So why did marriage number two work out better instead of just being date, you know, just having, just dating Kyle? Because I am now 38 years old and I had no reason being married at 26. I will say to anyone that's out there, uh, I think there's like this whole idea. I'll again, speak from the eye. I thought that I needed to be married when I first got into this business, because I didn't want to be single and be interviewing athletes because I didn't want to give athletes the idea that like, Oh, I was single. And there was this whole weirdness because there is, it's like, you have to play that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I thought that I was more credible being married than I was being single. So for me, no, but the irony... But I don't think that's by the athletes. I think that's by the outside people, which really pisses me off. And I see that because they think if you're being nice to an athlete or smiling when you're single or even when you're married, you just want to hook up, which is so wrong, by the way. There's there's so many, and this is its, its own podcast, by the way, which oh, may, yeah. maybe we'll make it one. The question was, why is my second marriage better than my first <laughs> I waited. You know, why? What makes marriage number two? Yeah, good idea versus just dating I'm, Kyle for a long time. I, I'm older. I'm. I got married at 38 years old. Like yeah. I, I believe, and this is coming from someone whose parents got married when they were 18. I am a much different person now than I was at 26 when I got married the first time, and that I am at 38. I am so glad that I lived life. I was with the wrong people. I did a lot of bad things, and now, uh, and Kyle will say this too live your life. And then when you finally meet the person you're supposed to meet, then you can be like, Oh, I did it all. So I'm good. So yeah, I believe in waiting to marry the right person. All right. I think this next question could actually go into the other question that follows it. So we'll combine them. Advice for single ladies looking for a husband. And also, how do you stay positive when all your friends are getting married when you're still single? Like Carissa, well, for my, you know, my only marriage, I was like 38, 39 when I got married. So everybody in my life was getting married. I mean, I found more in my 20s and maybe because I grew up in the South, it was such a big deal that I wasn't married. Then in my 30s, I'm not going to lie, there was the pressure of like, shit, am I going to have kids or am I going to be dried up by the time I meet this guy? Mm-hmm. Then start stuff starts getting crazy. Like you get cervical cancer. You don't even know if you can have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that throws a real wrench into it. But I got to be honest, it's like Carissa said, you start getting older and you start being like, okay, you know what? Some random wedding with 18 bridesmaids that are wearing like seafoam green and like, it's not fucking worth it. It's just not. You want to, you know, meet the right person. Now, my husband and I had dated for like five, six years before we got engaged. Thank God for Terry Bradshaw, who was like, is this guy going to put a ring on your finger or what? I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) Wait, is he the is he the reason you got married? He put pressure on you. By the way, for the viewers that don't know or the listeners that don't know, Michael Strahan introduced you to, and yes. now Terry Bradshaw is the reason you guys went to the altar. Is what you're telling us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, why? Apparently, Terry was drunk one night, shocker in the ballroom, and like talked to Jarrett at some point and was just like, "Listen, it's not getting better than this." But whatever. Um, no, I just you know what? Stop putting Your pressure on No, dude, I'm not gonna let you keep going. You did the Pete Machesca, the Jersey accent. You got a Terry Bradshaw, Oklahoma accent. Your accent game is like second to none. What would Troy say about your engagement? Well, Troy, uh, Troy announced my engagement at a Green Bay Packers uh, meeting. <laughs> hey, did you hear the news? EA got engaged. Um, so anywho, what I was going to say was anybody that is so stressed out about getting just 
stop. That doesn't help. It's like trying to get pregnant. It doesn't yeah. help. Just relax. Calm down. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. I'm Calm at, down. I met Kyle. I was on a plane to go do a Daniil Hunter interview. I had a boyfriend at the time, Love which him. I knew was the wrong guy. For a year and a half, I was dating him. Erin can attest this. She never even got to meet the guy. That's how weird Wouldn't he was. come in. Meet anyway, me. Yeah, exactly. We're supposed to meet at a restaurant. He's like, I'm not going in. I'm like, this is weird. Anyways, wrong relationship. On the plane, I meet Kyle. And I was like, oh, that's my husband. And I got off the plane. I told my makeup artist at the time because I was going to meet him. I'm like, Sal, I just met my husband. He's like, don't you have a boyfriend? I'm like, not for long. And But you were asleep the whole time. That's was, what, and that just, actually goes into the next question, a pickup was, line on the plane. I was mm-hmm. like, Carissa, you, you were asleep when he was trying to pick you was, up. I was. It was a 6 a.m. flight to Minnesota. And luckily, Fox had booked the ticket. So my contract designated that I was in a first class seat. And I was like, you, 6 a.m., 6 a.m. And because I knew that the second I got off the plane with the time change, that I was going to have to go straight to do the interviews. So my weave was already in. That was like ponytail. So full weave ponytail, but no makeup. And I sat down and I remember like, like discombobulated 530 last person on the plane. Like what's the flight? What's the seat number? And so I went to put my bag in the overhead compartment and the guy in which I now know is seat now four. Now your husband, right? Yeah, no, but the seat before him, seat four, and I only know that because now 5A and 5B, which was our seats, it, it resonates. I also have a tattoo of it. The I guy in seat four was like, oh, well, you can go in here. And I was like, oh, thanks for the enthusiasm, but I'm actually in this seat. So then Kyle like started laughing. <gasps> and so Kyle Cute. got out and I like got, I sat at the window, designated seat, whatever, like the window seat. And then we fell asleep. It was a 6 a.m. flight. And so the flight, like we're on he our- He fell asleep too? Yeah, because it turns out- You guys slept together? Your we- first meeting? What? Wouldn't be the first time. Whoa. Mile high club. We used protection. We had a mask on. <laughs> no, you didn't. It was pre-COVID <laughs> when we were just animals. <laughs> so the flight's on its descent. The flight attendant goes, you know, 20 minutes, we're going to be at our destination. We wake up and he goes, hey- is it your name, Sharissa? And I was like, well, it's Carissa, but yeah. And he goes, yeah, you hosted this 40 under 40 sports business journal thing I was at or whatever. Good to see you. And I was like, yeah, good to see you too. And we then talked and we were getting off the plane and we ended up getting coffee together. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go do this interview. And then I text my makeup artist. I was like, I just met my husband. He's like, don't you have a boyfriend? I was like, yeah, but that's not the guy I'm talking to. So anyways, three days later, I broke up with my boyfriend over the phone and Kyle and I got engaged three months later. So the reality so is sweet. I had never even sat next to anyone I was interested in. And there you go. So don't worry about if you meet Mr. Right. It should be when it's right now. In your life. Yeah, let it go, Elsa. Stop mm-hmm. complaining. Hey, by the way, that slept together joke, the person who taught me, this is a tangent for all days. My second job of my career was with the Atlanta Braves. I worked with TBS. That's when, God love him, Skip Carey was still calling the games with Joe Simpson. We flew back somewhere to Atlanta. He was in the seat next to me. I was too. We both passed out. When we woke up, Skip goes, well, now I can tell everyone I've slept with with Aaron Andrews. <laughs> God love you, Skip Carey. He was just so fantastic. Loved him so much. Anywho, okay, our next question is tips for balancing a work schedule, heavy work schedule in a relationship. Jesus. Uh, this, yeah. The designate uh, times to have sex. I mean, I don't yeah, know. That's what Kevin Hart said. I 
It's a hard one. And I think you need all the help you can get. My husband's really good about telling me to put my damn phone away. Our time is our time. We try to make date night. We are, you know, trying to have kids. And that's actually going to put probably a big dent in the situation of trying to figure out this relationship. But look, I want to work. He wants to work. We both love our jobs. We want to get better. We're both putting more projects on our plate. But we love each other so much that we know in order to coexist, we have to be happy work-wise and we have to be happy with our relationship. So we just try to make it a point. Communication too, which is, that's that's a fun game. Hey, we're going to keep these up. So what we're going to do, we're going to put a little twist. I love hearing, you know, what people want us to talk about and answering your questions. Next time, we're going to give you the details via our Comp Down podcast Instagram. But we're actually going to have you come on the podcast, all of you that have questions and submit live, which I think that would be so freaking fun. So we'll uh, we'll get you guys the details for that. I love that. Dr. Oz is joining us next. He's got advice on everything and anything. And stay with us again at uh, Calm Down Podcast. Aaron Andrews, Carissa J. Thompson. Subscribe, join all the things. We'll be back with more after this. Guys, everyone loves a win, even if it's small. I had two big ones. I mean, congratulations to me. Let's celebrate finally cleaned out the fridge in the garage with all the nasty crap in the drawer from last Christmas, maybe even Thanksgiving. And I'm getting somewhere on my closet. Purging, organizing, what about you? My big wins have to do with the cute little animals up at the ranch. Simba, who's my rescue, graduated. He doesn't have to stay in the crate overnight. He can hang out with the big boys at night. And also my sweet little baby chicks are thriving. So no matter if your win is big or small, it's still a win. And it calls for a celebration. And who's cheering right beside you? Say it with me, Aaron. State State Farm. Farm. The State Farm personal price plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. So talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This guy does not need an introduction. Dr. Oz, you have so many titles, so many jobs written on this sheet of paper. I don't need to list them all down. How are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing very well. I should point out that most of that vision board that got me those titles came from my wife, Lisa, 36 years. Best thing I ever did was to marry her. What's the secret? 37 years, I'm at four. Chris is at a couple months. What's the secret? it's, it's It's a very important secret. If you're serious, I'll tell you. You have to recognize that men marry the woman exactly as they want them. And then you guys want to change because you want to get better. And women oh. marry the man we, they, you know we can become and we don't want to change. So from the wow. moment we get married or hooked up, we're starting to spread away from each other. And we got to reconnect. So every seven years, you have to make an earnest effort to remember you're not the same person you were seven years prior to that. You got to reinvent the relationship. And the reason it's seven years is because you have hormonal handcuffs on initially. You fall in love, you got oxytocin, serotonin, all these hormones surging through your body, you're in love. And that's, by the way, biologically, it makes sense. That way you stay together when the kids are young. But you got to mm-hmm. reinvent yourself beyond the biology of love. And that's going to happen because you look for other things. Wow. Holy I, I mouthful. Mean, uh- <laughs> This is why we wanted you on our podcast, because Aaron and I are not an expert in a lot of things. We may be an expert in sports in some areas, but we're not an expert in relationships. We're not an expert in medicine, but you are all of the things. That was incredible and so true. Is that why the seven-year itch is a thing? Oh, for sure. And again, if you think about it, after seven years, the child that has been conceived is sort of able to help a little bit. Then yeah. I can, They can't go off on their own, but you're not changing diapers anymore. Uh, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality that the initial hormonal tools that are used to glue us together, they, you know, they begin to wear off. You start looking around, which is, of course, the reason that you have to find other reasons to love your soulmate, because you can't just be physical about it. Physicality is always going to be important. And I always encourage people, never forget that you know, sex in a marriage is vital. That's mm-hmm. stated. There has to be other things beyond that and beyond just talking about your kids that continue to, to glue you. My parents said, well, you'd fight about two things in marriage, sex and money. So if you don't fight about those two things and you've got a good chance to survive, they've been married since they were 18. They had no money and apparently they had a lot of sex because there's three of us. So it is what it is. Save <laughs> you know? advice. Um, wait, can I ask about reinventing yourself? Okay, wait. So I have, well, I think this will be our, oh, that's not a good start, fourth wedding <laughs> anniversary. So we have three more years until we reinvent. Where do you start? Where do you begin? Where do you look? Oh my, I'm taking notes. <laughs> well, the, the, the first big stumbling block is the guy doesn't really know what the heck's going on. And we just, because we're, we're, we're hardwired to go after goals. That's what you want us to be able to do. I'm, when I say guys and girls, I'm talking about the masculine energy, feminine energy. You can be okay. any gender you want, but the energy of, a, of the masculine player is going to be aim for the target, hit the target, go after it again. The word sin, you know, it's, it's actually an archery term. If you hit the target in the middle of, the, of the, the bullseye, that's hitting your target. If you miss it, that's a sin. So in order to hit the bullseye, you got to know where the bullseye is and you have to be aiming for it. Guys know where the bullseye is, they aim for it, you'll get it. But sometimes it's the wrong bullseye. So if you hit that bullseye, you're still wrong because it wasn't what you should have been aiming for. 
And so we're completely oblivious to the bigger issues we've got to pursue in life. I'll just make it personal. So I graduated from, I played football in college. I loved sports. I got into medical school. I wanted to be a doctor. I was really passionate about heart surgery, which is my specialty. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a bigger vision than that. I could have done that for my entire life. And I probably would have been just fine. Lisa, on the other hand, said, you come home from work lamenting the fact that so many of the people you're going to operate on could have avoided the need for you to take a scalpel to their chest, a bandsaw through their chest bone. And so don't tell me you're happy. You might think you're happy, but if you actually dig deeper, you realize there's a bigger play here if you can make it happen. And so she was the one who started pushing me. She's, remember the Visine commercials? You guys may be too young, but there were these famous commercials with the bloodshot eyes of a model. Yes, yes. Those are my wife's eyes. <laughs> Lisa. She was one of those Visine models. Wow. She had clear vision with you, so, obviously. So she would say, because uh, she, she knew a little bit about show business, you are wasting the opportunity to tell people about health. Because if you give America a message to health, they'll listen to it. The reason they're not acting healthy is they haven't gotten the message. You never gave it to them. So that changed my trajectory. It made me think more about what we need to tell people outside the ivory tower. I'm at Columbia University, New York Presbyterian Hospital. It's a great place to practice. I never would have to leave. But all around me in New York City, there health catastrophes taking place. So if, if she could, it could get me to go beyond the ivory tower, I could actually make an impact that's much greater than the number of people I do heart surgery on. And that was the beginning for me. That's how I met Oprah. It's actually Lisa and Oprah conspired to create the Dr. Oz show Aww. and to get me to leave medicine as a full-time profession. I still practice, but only part-time and go and start doing interviews like this. That's incredible. So you you first debuted on Oprah in 2009, right? I met Oprah in 2003. And I'll tell you how it happened because it's a fascinating story. It's all because of Gail King, who was one of the coolest, most influential women, period, in the country. I approached Gail, who was an editor at Hearst Magazine. And I said, listen, I've got a show that my wife has put together called Second Opinion. It's basically me revisiting all the major things that wreak havoc in your life. And I need to have a big name guest to launch the show. Could you get Oprah to come on with me? So she called Oprah and said, this guy's got a vision for health that I think agrees with what you want to do. And Oprah loves teaching. That she really, I mean, she yeah. should have been a preacher. She has what she really likes to do. Mm-hmm. So she agreed one the day when she was in New York to come on the show. And she did, and she was my first guest and we had a blast. And there were a bunch of articles written about it. And her producer saw them and asked me if I'd revisit what we had done on my show on her show, much bigger platform, obviously. And so uh, that was the that was the beginning of it. And the, initially, the reason I was in scrubs, because people always say, you know, curious about how that happened. I was so naive about television that I put a nice suit like this on. I fly to Chicago from New York where I practice medicine. I bring my organs in an igloo cooler. They thought they must've thought I was Jeffrey Dahmer. Literally <laughs> organs in a cooler going through security. And I'd, I'd end up at her set. I didn't want to get my suit dirty. So I would change into scrubs, $14 cotton scrubs. Cause I, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't, who cares if they smell a little bit from formaldehyde. And I go out and do the shows. And what turned what initially was a naive, almost foolish maneuver ended up becoming really cool because people said, if the scrubs are on, he's going to show organs. And that became one of the markers of the episodes I would do with her. I probably did 80 plus shows with Oprah over the course of those five or six years. Wow. You talked about Oprah being a teacher. What do you think she's taught you? Like the biggest lesson she's taught you, Dr. Oz? Biggest lesson without any question at all. And this may resonate with you guys, but it's the deep truth. People do not change based on what they know. Yeah. People change based on how they feel. If you get people to feel differently about an issue, they'll actually do it. It's true for working out in sports and becoming a winning team. It's true for Mm -hmm. being a better heart surgeon. If I want to get a patient to act differently towards their body, I'll give you an example. I I do not operate on smokers. 
Really? And the reason I don't operate on people who smoke is because my one chance to get them to stop is before I take them to surgery. So Mm. I always say, I care about you too much to rush you into the OR. Look around the room with the people who brought you here. Those people love you. All I want you to do is love yourself as much as they love you. I know. And when you appreciate that you're really that precious, that you're a, 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 that you have a divine spark in you and people love you and care about you, you wouldn't p- put that cigarette in your mouth anymore. Yeah. I've never once failed to get a, a patient to stop smoking. Sometimes they go back to smoke again. I recognize that failure rate, but I've never once failed to get a patient to stop smoking by using an approach similar to that. I found that so interesting though, Dr. Oz, you said that your wife was actually responsible for you introducing, what's her and Oprah's relationship? Well, Lisa was the one who went to Oprah and said, my husband needs to have a presence in your program that people can relate to. So make him America's doctor, call him that. Literally put her on the BAM, the, the, the big monitor behind him. <laughs> and, and so people can begin to understand what you're trying to do. And sometimes you actually have to tell people and show people and then reinforce to people what you're up to. And what Oprah sought to do, and she, she's done it before and be and after me as well, is to get people that she trusted to be envoys ambassadors of whatever our specialty is. In my case, obviously healthcare. Yeah. And then she'd say, okay, I'll teach you. Basically it's Oprah University. I'll teach you Oz how to talk to people about stuff. You have to bring interesting ideas and up your game so you can connect with people in a way that means something. And then working with her team and her, which is fantastic, by the way, the whole team at Oprah show was, was just stellar individuals who understood the subtlety of how to make great programs. Yeah. And then my wife, was playing a role because she knew me better than anybody else, but she also knew health. Her father was a heart surgeon, was a pretty well-known guy. And she had understood where the big gaps, the big connections were failing. And so all together, we were pulling the oars as hard as we could. And it got, I mean, so big, so fast, in part because there was this voracious appetite for health information, not the kind of health information you traditionally got, like take better care of yourself, do the right things. I'll see you back in the office in a year. That doesn't mean anything to most people. If they were doing the right things, they wouldn't be in your office with blood pressure problems, high blood sugar, or or obesity. So a lot of the wisdom around health is creating automated lives, lives where you do the right thing because it's easy to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make. And so if you change your life and make it easy to do the right thing by automating your food in the morning and figuring out what lunch you love. In fact, forget about eating food that you think is good for you. Eat food that tastes good, that happens to be good for you. And you can stay on that diet program your whole existence. Those are the, 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 the deeper realities to how you build a healthy lifestyle. Because healthy people, I'll say it differently. People who are overweight look at skinny people and think that they're lucky devils, right? And thin people don't understand heavy people because they somehow never picked up those habits. And there's Mm -hmm. genetic roles and there are other issues as well, but primarily it's about lifestyle. That's why people who are heavy tend to have heavy pets as well. And it's probably not genetic at that level. That's crazy. Dr. Oz, you mentioned it got so crazy so fast in a good way with Oprah and her team. And I've seen how they've on a firsthand basis work over there. How did you know this thing was bigger than you expected? Or maybe did it get bigger than you expected when you started with her? It got bigger than I expected because I didn't know what it was going to do. I yeah. was very naive <laughs> to the process. I'll tell you a, t- a telling moment. Uh, Oprah asked me, has it happened yet? And I said, has what happened yet? She says, you know, has it happened? I said, no, I don't, I, 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 what are you talking about? She said, when you're walking down the street, the people look over, recognize who you are, and then begin peppering you with questions. <laughs> and yes, it had just started happening. And yeah. I realized at that point that 
the, the ability to speak to people in a very honest, authentic way mm-hmm. allows you to become part of their family. That's what makes daytime television so powerful to me. People have us on in the background. I was actually just, you know, I, I got shopping before this interview and I had a mask on so people couldn't really tell who I was. I said something. As soon as the woman heard my voice at the counter, uh. she knew who I was. Because they don't even watch daytime television half the time. They're just listening to it. But you're part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so they respect that you're there bringing them good information. Because mm-hmm. by the way, if you didn't, they wouldn't invite you back, right? You're not going to invite your friend over if they're not bringing you worthy stuff. So Oprah's big message was respect the audience always. Remember that they're out there looking for things to help them, bring them stuff that works for that purpose. And if you do that, they'll invite you back over and over and over again. And it has been a wonderful, for me, uh, blessing because I know a lot of people, as they think about whether they can control their destiny, look back and say, yeah, they, I, I can because I just heard it said on Oz or Oprah or whatever show that they're watching that they trust. Because if I can give you confidence that you can change your future, then you'll lose the nihilism that holds you back. And that's the real epidemic that we're struggling with in America now is people have lost hope. People don't realize that they have agency to control their future, that if they're brave, they'll be rewarded. That's the big message. And health is a good place to start because if you can change what's happening inside your body, you can change the world outside of it. And that's the deeper fundamental reason why health matters. It's the first stepping stone to controlling all the things you want to change in your life. Yeah. And with that comes great responsibility. So I imagine when people stop you on the regular and ask you for advice or ask you, are they mostly asking you for help in a medical area (laughs) or is it now because you do so many different things? What is that primary question that they're asking you? There has to be one. Well, the the big question historically was, how do I lose weight? Yeah. It's in public. In private, if you're at at a place where they can get you to themselves, they ask about sex because there's a sexual famine in America there is? and people don't realize that they're not alone. They don't want to talk about it. And women always blame themselves when their men aren't performing. And I keep emphasizing most men who aren't performing are having a medical problem <laughs> or a deeper emotional problem. Help them with Interesting. it. You know, they, if the machinery works, they'll want to use it. Uh, so don't blame yourself. It's a problem, not a blame issue, not a shame issue. You know, get ahead of it. And those are the two things. This past year, obviously, it's all COVID right. all the time because there's so much confusion about the rapid fire hose worth of data coming into our mouth every day. And it's hard to process it all because most there's not enough wisdom for the average human being to be yeah. able to understand all these different moving parts. So a lot of what they ask me is break it down. What would you do if it was your family? Which is mm-hmm. how I try to do it on the show. I'll tell you what I do for my daughters, my wife, my parents. And if I do it for them, you ought to at least think about that option. What was the rest of the medical community's reaction when you became who you are? I mean, you know, I imagine that there were some pundits or some people that looked at like, oh, he's a sellout or he's this or he's that because you became this household name. Did the medical community react positively or negatively to your success? Be honest. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. It's mixed. You don't have to, I don't have to be honest. You can read, you can read people's comments. The, the, the big message that I was trying to deliver is a scary one. It's that you can become the world expert on your body and you got to trust your instincts and push for what's yours. So if you're not getting the care you think you deserve, ask either that person again or ask somebody else, but don't take no for an answer. Recognize that there's lots of wisdom out there about health that we don't understand in the Western world because we haven't gotten there yet. A lot of the subtle things, the home remedies, the alternative medical approaches, this stuff is... Some of it's woo-woo, never going to work. 
Some of it's going to be effective and has already been proven effective. So you got to navigate that a little bit, but you have to own your destiny. And that's a message that not every medical professional likes their patients to hear because it's frustrating. You're going to second guess what I'm telling you. I spent my whole life learning this stuff. Now you're coming in here and telling me that, you know, bioidentical hormones can help you deal with menopause. Who are you to say that? And I'll say, well, you know, there are lots of doctors who actually use bioidentical hormones, for example, for menopause. And the women who take those hormones, well, you know, when they're well-tested and appropriately managed, seem to do really well. You should at least be able to talk about it. And that is unsettling. But I got to say, most of my brethren are actually happy because I think I saved them time by mm-hmm. educating people about the basics of lifestyle management so they can avoid chronic illnesses, it saves the need for every single doctor seeing every obese slash diabetic slash hypertensive patient that need to have that conversation. But I gotta be clear on this. We're not winning this battle right now. The reason America got hit so hard by COVID, we're a quarter of the world's deaths. The reason we got hit so hard is we're not at our heart a healthy population. Most of the people, the overwhelming majority of people, 95% of people who died, had obesity, hypertension, or uh, high blood sugar, or some chronic disease related to those. And so we're not taking charge of our health. And when these types of inflammatory viruses hit us, they, they cull those people from the herd. And we want to avoid that in the future. You, I mentioned the, the pundits. You have a lot of different chapters in the book of your life. A new one is you know, hosting Jeopardy. I was very fortunate to be close with Alex Trebek, and he was a very important person in my life. I was like, devastated when he passed away, um, as we all were, you know, we welcomed him into our living room. I remember watching him with my grandpa growing up is how I became, uh, you know, infatuated with the individual that said they were very difficult shoes to fill. You're not going to fill them. You can only hope to, uh, you know, do him the honor, um, with your position. How have you found that experience so far to be? It was one of the most unique experiences of my life to be able to host Jeopardy. And Alex Reck, who I was also close to and adored, and like you, grew up watching him and respecting his remarkable talents as a broadcaster. I also respected his talents as a human being. And I'll give you one story real quickly, and then I'll tell you about my personal experience there. The last time I was with him, we were backstage at Jeopardy, and he, uh, we were in his dressing room, the one that I would ultimately use when I guest hosted the show for a couple of weeks. And I, um, I was about to leave, and he said, before you go, let me show you something. And he walked me out down the hallway, and there's this long corridor of just Emmy awards, all the Emmys they've had on Jeopardy. He walked right past those awards, didn't even slow down. At the end of that corridor, there was a big glass case with all the notes, quilts, prayer rugs that had been sent to him from people wishing him the best. And he got very emotional as he began looking at the letters and reading some of the bits that he obviously looked at before and realized that the real impact he'd had on America was to bring a little bit of light into our lives. He lifted a little bit of a burden for all of us. And that was the love he was getting back. That's the man Alex Trebek represented. The culture that he left behind at Jeopardy is unparalleled. Mike Richards, the EP, all these guys Mm -hmm. are superstars and they do not cut corners. Every (laughs) single thing has to be done perfectly. If it's not, you do it again. And then they put you through boot camp. Imagine this. I've been hosting shows. I mean, I hosted thousands of television shows. I mean, a lot of time in front of a camera. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. I had to go to boot camp. <laughs> I spent a weekend getting rehearsed by the writers who are brilliantly writing these questions, being guests, and then pretending to mess me up. Like they'd ask to answer it wrong. They'd give me a complicated response that wasn't right. So I had to learn how to deal with those, uh, those incidental problems because what Alex did so effortlessly that's really, really hard to do is he kept the game flowing. 
And yes. here's a ticket from a fire hose, 61 questions mm-hmm. in 20 some minutes. You've got a ton of information. He's got to keep it going because if you slow it down, you give the other contestants unfair advantages of the ones who went first. Oh, yeah. A Jeopardy boot camp. Who knew? Well, I want to know your reaction. I mean, you're, you know, you work very closely with the heart. What was the blood pressure like as, you know, the lights went on and they were like three, two. (laughs) You know, it is just like playing sports. It's crazy. You've got a little bit of anxiety, but a good kind. (laughs) Whenever I was getting ready to play, I always think, I can't wait to get out there. I worked so hard. I uh, earned this right just to be able to give it my best. And so I'm going to, I just want to get out there. But that anxiety, as soon as you walk out there and you harness it a little bit, like a puppy dog, you just start to sit, settle in and it just felt so good. And then you get in the zone and the contestants oh, yeah. are so smart. My only fear the whole time was that I would mess up the contestants by saying something or doing something that wasn't right for them and throw them off their game. I wanted them all to have a fair chance to compete. But I tell you, I, I left those shows so impressed by how wise these people are at so many different kinds yeah. of, uh, of in, you know, they've got, they've got, they, they, you know, they do the equivalent of weightlifting with their brains daily, but not everyone lifts the same weight. These guys lift heavy weights with their brains. Well, that's high praise coming from a doctor. Yes. Uh, are you still practicing? Doctor, like, can can somebody get a, you know, perf- uh, I'm going to say it wrong, a cardio... Car- cardiothoracic appointment. Yes, Thoracic appointment. And what is that? And this, I have 7,000 questions. I, my dad actually suffered a, a big time heart attack right before COVID. And so when, you know, reading all about you, what is that surgery, Dr. Oz? So my, my training is in heart surgery. So bypass operations, yes. uh, ch- changing valves, doing heart transplants. I, I helped build the mechanical heart program at, at my institution. My real claim to fame is I helped invent the devices to fix heart valves from the groin wow. without having to stop the heart, without having to open the chest. And uh, I did that through much of my career. I love tinkering and I love fixing stuff. And I'm sorry about your dad. Uh, Thank but, you. But I'll tell you, the, the medical profession has gotten so proficient at managing heart disease because we got so much of it that hopefully he'll do well. Yeah, no, I was actually, I mean, not to get personal, but it was a question I had. You know, my dad was the last person when we got the phone call that night that we thought this was going to happen to. Vegetarian, works out every single day, almost underweight. But what we didn't know what was going on in our family was, uh, oh gosh, now I'm blanking out. What is it? Coronary artery disease. We didn't know. And I was going to ask you two selfish questions and nothing about sex. Um, But my (laughs) two questions are, as a 43-year-old and travel on the road all the time, you know, when should somebody whose dad just suffered a heart attack because of that is there anything I can do for myself? And then also with my dad being high risk now, he's had the vaccine. Like, is there anything the 42-year-old daughter should be worried about with my father moving forward with all of this? Well, this will be for you first, preventive medicine. So generally speaking, uh, if you're relative, if you, how old is your dad, by the way? My dad is 67, 68. Okay. So any medical problem that happens before the age of 65, and he's close, uh, mandates that you assume you have a genetic problem. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean you have it. And it doesn't mean that if you do lifestyle changes ahead of time, you can avoid it. But your dad's vegetarian, underweight, so he's done most of the things correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember operating on a 45-year-old yogi once, lacto-vegetarian, I'm actually not, not lacto, just a vegetarian, meditating, underweight. And he said uh, that he felt blessed because every male in his family had died a decade earlier than that. And so Crazy. sometimes the genes, they, you know, they're the cards you're dealt. So you have to be thoughtful about your heart history, because you're a female with estrogen, you're protected. Males have testosterone poisoning. 
So mm. we actually get heart disease about a decade earlier than women. But by the time you're in your late 40s, uh, you should be evaluated with either a, you can do a stress test, but I like to do a, a ultra fast CT just to take a quick peek at the arteries to see if there's any plaque on them. That's, okay. This is true for everyone listening right now. If you can get an actual picture, either a carotid ultrasound or a picture of your heart, it tells you whether you're actually making plaque or not. If you're not okay. making plaque, it, the numbers, the cholesterol values, they, none of that matters then. Because if we're using those blood tests to estimate your risk of making plaque. But we can actually look these days and see if you're making plaque. And so if you do that, that'll help guide whether you need medical therapy or not. Because I don't want to put you on pills before you need them. And if yeah. you have no plaque, who cares what your cholesterol is, as long as you don't have anything else going on. With regard to your dad, the most important reality is the blood coursing through his vessels uh, was corrosive. Something yeah. rusted his blood vessels. So no matter what he's eating, no matter how he's taking care of himself, he's got some genetic issue that's causing a problem. You've got to, Aaron, figure that out. And there okay. are very sophisticated tests that are done now. They're not garden variety tests, but most 65-year-old vegetarians who are underweight don't have heart problems. So he's got something unique. So you've got to we'll go one step further. There's a test called the Berkeley test, and there are others okay. as well that look very carefully at these different kinds of cholesterol. And if he's got one of the more abnormal profiles, there are different medications we'd put them on. Here's the big secret about medicine that's not talked about much. The ailments that plague us the most are the ones that all doctors learn a little bit about. But because we learned mm -hmm. a little bit about them, we think we're world experts on them. So mm -hmm. everyone's got a cholesterol value. We learned about it the first month of medical school. And from then on, we all think we're pretty good at it. But not all cholesterol experts are equally good. So find a world-class cholesterol person to try to find out what went down with your dad's arteries. Because there's I, someone who knows that answer. That's who's going to be able to save his life. Because yeah. whatever solutions exist today that were put into his heart to get the blood flowing, because the fluid coursing through those man-made graphs are not as good as what he was born with, he'll rush those as well. So get ahead of it. Yeah. He also blames the fact that the Packers haven't done anything in the offseason <laughs> as adding stress for him. So, you know, let's go Green Bay. You, you know, know for Aaron my Rodgers, dad. That's not, that's not quite true because Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is hosting Jeopardy right after me. So they are yeah. doing something. Aaron's been a, Aaron won when he was a contestant on Jeopardy. But Dr. Oz, you are the world's most interesting man. Move yeah. over Dos Equis because you know about a 3-4 defense. You know questions to, uh, and answers to Jeopardy. Uh, you can perform open heart surgery and you know all about sex, which I Yay. wish we had more time to talk about, which means we're going to have to have you on again. Yes. We can't thank you enough for your time. Really, truly. Thank you so much. It's been a real blessing. You guys take care of yourselves. Come to a football game. Come be on the sidelines with me. Yeah, bring you know, Lisa. When, when you're, if you come to an Eagles or a Giants game, I'll be there. Done. I'd love to have you on. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. You're the best. Guys, everyone loves a win, even if it's small. I had two big ones. I mean, congratulations to me. Let's celebrate. Finally cleaned out the fridge in the garage with all the nasty crap in the nice. drawer from last Christmas, maybe even Thanksgiving. And I'm getting somewhere on my closet. Purging, organizing, what about you? My big wins have to do with the cute little animals up at the ranch. Simba, who's my rescue, graduated. He doesn't have to stay in the crate overnight. He can hang out with the big boys at night. And also my sweet little baby chicks are thriving. So no matter if your win is big or small, it's still a win. And it calls for a celebration. And who's cheering right beside you? Say it with me, Aaron. State, State Farm. Farm. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. So talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I could talk to him. Forever. He's a dream. Yeah, great guy. I would like to talk to him over some, like, the, I, he mentioned Oprah. I want to be with Oprah with alcohol. I want to sit down with Dr. Oz with alcohol. I just want to lay it That's all out. That's what I'm saying. He is my last supper oh. invite. You know those questions that you get with, like, oh, invite someone living or dead? Uh, I'll take him. Because the fact that he started out our conversation about how to keep a marriage yeah. alive, I mean, as someone who's on her second, I'm all ears and what he had to say and the pheromones and the the physics and the whole thing that came along with it. I definitely found him to be more impressive than I already thought he was. And what I love too is he's a guy that's continued to reinvent himself, even his family, his daughters, yeah. you know, part of the show, like shows and all that kind of stuff. And, and anybody that has sustained a marriage through the ebbs and flows of life, I always am all ears for. So really enjoyed listening to him. Yeah, I told my friends, because um, we filmed that while we were in Montana, I told my friends about it. And they I said, every seven years, that's what he said, you should try to talk about it all reinvent everything. And my friends who had been married for 10 years said, well, we're about three years too late. So that's <laughs> bad for us. Uh, yeah. They have three kids, they're fine. But yeah, no, I, I loved him. I thought he was phenomenal. He's uh, he reminded me of Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head coach, you just ask one question and you let him go. I mean, he mm. just you don't even need to interview the guy. He's phenomenal. I love that. And also, too, when we talked to, to him about the medical field, which, well, let's be honest, like put on the lab coat, let's be, you know, science and uh, mathematical and whatever. And for him to sort of go rogue on that and uh, really 
which he credits his wife to for that introduction to Oprah and going more mainstream that Mm -hmm. he knew maybe something and a little bit of some pundits came along with that. But ultimately what he ends up doing is being accessible to that audience that's at home that doesn't maybe have the money to go to a specialist or, or, or have the access to the medical. So not everyone, again, of course, has insurance and can go to a doctor. So I think what he's able to do you know, just being in our living rooms on a television is far superior to anything else. So really enjoyed listening to him and definitely could talk to him for a long time about all of his advice on things. He's a disruptor. People don't like it in your field when you kind of shake it up and do things a little different. What did you take away from the things that he said to you about Steve-O. Yeah, I, I think now just for me, it's like the tests I need to get to make sure coronary artery disease isn't something that mm, I'm going to be dealing with 20 years down the line. But it sounds like I will because, mm-hmm. you know, it's hereditary and we didn't know that about my father. It's it's yeah, it's something that weighs on my mind. I, I wanted to ask him even more in terms of like Corona, my dad being high risk and, you know, I, he's vaccinated, but are we good? But I, I'm sure that's Listen, I feel like we're going to talk to him down the road. But yeah, I mean, I, he mentioned the tests I should be taking. He mentioned the questions I should be asking of my dad's doctors. And I loved it. Yeah, I I, I had I guess I had no idea he worked transplants and all that. I, I love that. Are you good about going to a doctor on the regular? Yes. Like, I'm really good about going to the, oh, you are? I'm not. Yes, my mom instilled that. That's how I found out I had cervical cancer. I I am. I Mm. always go to the dentist every six months. I always go to the gynecologist every single year. I stay on top of shit. And that's why when I was diagnosed with cancer, we were like, there's no way. I was just here a year ago. Like, how could this happen? And then when I came out public and I said, you know, I had this and I, I found it from a routine exam. I was blown away with how many women said to me, I haven't been to the doctor in three to four years. I need to go for my annual. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Like, this is how I found Aaron. out I had it. Well, Aaron. that's not good. You need to go. You have got no, to I, go. So so I I go to the dentist every six yeah. months. I go to my, my gynecologist set me up with my ex-boyfriend. That's weird. That's a different podcast. I am routine about that. But I, when you know, you fill out like, like who's your general practitioner, yeah. doctor, whatever. I don't have one. Like I go to my gynecologist. I'm like, I've got this uh, pain in my foot. Like he's like (laughs) my all encompassing doctor, which is lame, but I should do a better job. And, and obviously being as close as we are, I should definitely like, you know, take that into consideration that like, I need to just go and get, because I am under that like umbrella for a lot of people that's like, Oh, I don't feel something. So I'm not going to like get checked out. So I will make a concerted effort to, to do that. Um, because it is important. And I think there is a little bit of fear in me that's like, Oh, if I don't know, then I won't worry about it. But, Oh God. Yeah. um, Worst, worst visit I I have to make every six months is to, you know, this, I text you all the time to the cancer center. I freaking hate Mm -hmm. it. My oncologist is very attractive. I love him so very much, but I hate that's how, how we have to meet every six months. I actually need to check to see when my next six month appointment is. He is amazing. It's you the just worst. had one a couple of months ago. I think so. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's awful. It's terrible to go to the doctor, but you gotta go because again, like my dad, nothing was wrong with yeah. him, and then all of a sudden, this you know huge event. So just gotta go get the get the old blood pressure checked out. 
the vitals. Well, I love you. Thank you for being open and honest about that because it's important for a lot of people. And I, again, and I will yield your own advice that um, even though I go to a dentist in my gynecologist, I need to get a checkup on all things. So for those of you listening or watching, let's all make an effort um, to check up and check in often and uh, look at it as a great luxury that we have to be able to have somebody bring awareness to something that we might not have known that will be preventative in the future. So big thing, especially right now with COVID, a lot of people put their health off because they didn't want to go into the doctors. I just went to the dentist and this girl's like, I haven't been here in three years. I was like, Jesus, like I better have less scraping in the old mouth than this broad. You know what I mean? So yes, go to the doctor, wear a mask, go to the doctor. (laughs) Go to the doctor, Dr. Oz. Thank you for your time and energy. And uh, for those of you that enjoyed that segment with him and want to hear more from Dr. Oz, make sure that you DM us on our Calm Down podcast. Ask all the questions you want to ask us. He's incredible, an incredible resource and we're lucky to have him. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we can have him on with more questions. We will be able to tap into his very limited time. And uh, thank you guys again for listening. I will now schedule all appointments. This has been Calm Down (laughs) Podcast. I will calm down with my uh, tentativeness to go to the doctor. Um, Aaron, love you. Love you. See you next week. Take care. Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.